0: as brightly lit a dark side. Well, here we are. Welcome to
1: our first official Talks from the Dark Side. We're going to be talking about Tales from the Dark Side, the episodic horror show from the 80s and uh and we're gonna we have our special guest chris Barr with us who's gonna be taking this journey with us because we're going through every fucking episode of this it's gonna be great i can't wait to talk about all these uh i have bad news i watched dark side of the ring thought that we were doing Ah, uh, fuck
2: <laughs> oh, fuck wait that's not what we're talking about <laughs>
3: I can I can tell you all about uh Jake the Snake Robert's life and how depressing it is. Oh great. Uh all right,
4: cut <laughs> that's it. End the, it we're we were already stopping this. So is it already too late for me to admit that I watched uh Dark Fate instead of uh, this one?
2: Shit. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Yeah, I watched the Transformers one getting ready for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the one with Leonard Nimoy? Dark Side of the Moon, is that what it's
1: called?
4: I think it is, right? That was that one was actually pretty good from what I remember. Oh, the Transformers movie.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. I also watched Star Trek Into Darkness, and I was really confused. You're like, where the hell is George Romero in this? Benedict Cumberbatch's face is awfully sharp, but, you know, I'm not terrified. We're off
2: to a good start. <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just what I want to talk about, fucking Michael Bay's shit. Um. So, yeah. So, I want we want to just, like, introduce, introduce Chris a little bit. He is... Uh, long time friend of mine um and we've been talking about uh getting this going for a while so we figured hey let's bring it into the uh the MDU if you will and uh and get this get this going
2: yeah we've been talking about this for a long time now we've been talking about this for a long
1: time um we're going to get into a little bit of history of this uh you know individually and together uh but basically i just we just want to run you down chris chris and i have um Done a ton of uh, projects together, including uh, Outhouse, uh, which won uh, a Chiller, uh, the Chiller Channel Monster Mashup competition. We were broadcast on television. That was a fucking great time. Um, and we also uh, did our Field of Screams project um, that we're working on. As we speak, there's a trailer out there too. So
2: stop right there, asshole! <laughs> and Sean... Yeah, with with Sean as a cameo as the cop in there.
3: I actually, uh, I I played, uh, I I dug up uh, outhouse at work
1: like uh, last year, and I was like, yeah, hey, yeah, check this out.
2: <laughs> uh, spoilers. There might be
1: some type of release coming out this year at some point so so keep your eyes peeled for that
2: yeah fingers crossed
1: (laughs) but uh but yeah we've done a ton of film projects together and and we work together and write together and and shoot together and and all that wonderful stuff um but um enough about us collectively but chris um you're working on some stuff uh some solo stuff
2: yeah right now um kind of the newest thing i'm doing and just you know besides um you know i do some photo stuff here and there just like you know fine art stuff on the side but, um, you know, specifically horror related, I am uh, just launched a new uh, Instagram page, you know, highlighting uh, horror soundtracks and things like that called Tape Hell. So um, that's really exciting, kind of combining VHS art and box art and stuff with the actual soundtracks. So um, that's been really fun to do. And I'm, uh, yeah, getting it off the ground. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's called Tape Hell on Instagram.
4: At Tape Hell? Yeah. I just followed you. Awesome. You're <laughs> checking it out as soon as we finish this up.
2: Sweet. Yeah, was, uh, yeah, just trying to get the ball rolling on that, but uh, yeah, doing a focus on soundtracks, and um, I think it'd be something fun to do. I mean, there's a whole world of them out there, so yeah, lots to pick from.
1: Totally, and you sent, you sent me some cuts uh, that you've been working on, and they're fucking great, so oh, thanks. Um, all the best of luck with that, because it's going to be fucking sweet. Thank you, thank you. So here we are, Tales from the Dark Side. What else, what, what What can be said about this show? It is, for me personally, this is my go-to, cozy uh, uh, sh- TV show. I've seen this entire series, I've seen every episode at least three times, and, and other episodes subsequently more, but I gotta tell you something, like, this was, like, I remember a lot of times, like, coming home from school, now, I, obviously, I didn't watch it when it premiered, because I wasn't even fucking born yet, but, um, in the 90s, sci-fi used to run, um, reruns of this show, um, in the afternoon, so I'd come home from school, and I'd watch, like, the 90s Twilight Zone, and Friday the 13th, the series, and, and Monsters, and, and Tales from the Dark Side, um, And that was the only way you can really get it at the time, unless you had the tapes. And even the tapes weren't, you know, the complete season. So, so, um, I know Thriller Video had put out some, and,
2: uh... World Vision Entertainment is it? Yeah, World Vision. That's actually how I how I got started on them was the World Vision tapes.
3: Um was they were those releases similar to the, the Tales and the Crypt releases where it's like here's four episodes.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, there was like two or three random uh episodes like on a tape. So okay, so it's like volumes, like what MST
3: three K used to do, where it's like here's volume four, and it's like seven episodes from four different seasons. Exactly. Yeah,
2: it'd be sort of like uh the best hits where it would be ones that were like more popular that just put together on a on a VHS. And then the next one could be, you know, all sorts of different ones from other seasons. So um it was all over the place. Yeah. So it was hard to
1: even uh sort of catalog them or kind of get them all in one place unless like you unless you like taped it right off television. Um and it ran for a long time. Like the reruns ran until what? Until Jesus, I want to say like 2000 2015? two thousand and fourteen
0: Jesus
2: yeah, they were running for a while because uh, yeah. CBS eventually got the rights, and they just you know milked them as much as they could, you know, throwing them on late night on reruns, like you said sci-fi channel random you know sometimes like two o'clock in the morning,
1: yeah well i was watch I remember watching tales like even as like not even that long ago, only like five or ten years give or take. Um, again, like when I come home from work too, it would be that way. When, uh, when Sean, when you and I worked at Hartree, I, that's what I would do. I'd come home and then I'd watch them. So like late afternoon, you know? Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but, um, CBS ends up getting the rights like, uh, Chris said and puts them out on DVD. And then that was like the first time you had access to all the seasons. So you had, you, there's four seasons, which we'll get into. Um, but it was awesome to have them all in one place. The biggest difference between you know th- th- uh, having those discs and having those tapes is that the original music is not intact. So they had to like rescore the whole uh, series to get uh, to be able to legally release them because they couldn't get the rights for some reason for the for the music.
2: Yeah, they swapped the music all around and like re-recorded everything. And uh, but what a nice release those uh, DVDs were! Oh yeah, it's like like you're just saying. It's like how they were sort of mismatched all over with the with the VHS and you know reruns that you didn't know when they're coming on. The DVD release, it's like they just cleaned everything up, put everything in order by season, you know, obviously. But it was uh, just a really nice package to have. It's like the show that's just sort of been all over the place, all kind of organized, and it was like just so cool once they finally put that out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so with that being said, I guess we can get into a little bit of the history of the show if, uh, listeners aren't familiar. So, Creepshow comes out in 1982, and, uh, it, it, you know, there's a moderate success. It, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't the, the cult classic that it is now, right? It's, it, you know, we, we have, you know, there's all kinds of places like Cavity Colors and, 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 uh, you know, Fright Rags and all these different places doing Creepshow stuff, and, and, um... It wasn't this huge hit when it came out, um, and now it's it's really found its audience, and and it's, I'm so happy for that because it's such a great movie, probably one of my favorites. Uh, it's up there. Oh yeah, and it's an anthology film, right? So it checks all the boxes for me. Based off the old EC comics, you know, a lot of a lot of great effects by Tom Savini. Um, and directed by George Romero, and written by fucking Stephen King and George Romero. Like, that's amazing. It's like a a best of of kind of movie, you know? Yeah,
2: and that's the best part about Creepshow. I mean, it's like, yeah, today it's considered a classic, but for then, what it did is it put together all these, you know, big names in horror, and just, they all joined forces, and like came together and just... Put that put together this uh, you know little anthology, which is
1: such an awesome
0: thing.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> a sort sort of a EC Avengers, yeah, kind of horror directors.
3: Assembled.
2: Yeah, it's like those guys all set out to you know to do something that inspired them. You know, like what the EC comics, like Tales from the Crypt, Fault of Horror, Haunt of Fear, all those comics from the fifties that were just all horror sci fi themed. And they wanted to do their own version of it, and the out came Creepshow.
3: I actually discovered Creepshow uh, by renting the, the the comic from like the library, and then finding the movie later. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, also, I've this was like you listed those shows earlier. like was it? Monsters, Nineties um, uh, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, mm-hmm. Friday Thirteenth. Uh, this is the this is the show I've never seen. So this is my first time watching this today.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, that's exciting, then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah, same, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two, two, two veterans and two virgins, so this is going to be good. I remember Monsters, and actually Monsters comes up at
3: work all the time. Like People were like, you remember
4: that show with the fucking family?
3: And that's so weird. Out of all of those, it's like, that's the one that comes up. That's the one that comes up from the, like, yeah, in this weird microcosm of people at a veterinary
1: hospital.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: so funny.
1: Well, d- I think because it ran on USA... If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It was. That and,
3: um, uh, Dark Shadows was the other one that I was constantly watching because, like, it, I just consumed so much sci-fi. And for for some reason, never caught this, but caught so much fucking Dark Shadows, it's not even funny.
4: Well, yeah. My, my girlfriend's a big Dark Shadows fan. She's seen so many episodes. Well, because there was a whole resurgence of that, wasn't
1: there? Uh, um, oh, yeah, um, yeah. They did, they did, like, a Dark Shadows remake for television. Yep. Yeah.
3: Well, uh, I mean, like... uh what I was watching, I think it was a kid, it was like definitely the old cheap 60s one where it's like that headstone just fell over in the background and it's very clearly made of foam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what happens after Creepshow is, you know, George Romero and Richard Rubenstein kind of team up and, you know, they're like, okay, we want to do more short form horror stories. And you know, it was, it's so hard it, at the time, it was so hard for them to get, you know, they had success with Creepshow, but it wasn't enough to warrant another one at that particular time.
4: So, so real quick, how, how does Creepshow 2 happen then, if if you don't mind?
1: I didn't really look that up. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I was just curious, if you don't know. No, you're- no, you're good. <laughs> I, I don't know. Let me,
2: re- let me <laughs> research Creepshow 2 real quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> because Creepshow 2 is kind of like, it, it's fine, but it's, I feel like it was, like, the kind of bastard child of Creepshow at sure. the time, you know what I mean? And it's not as well... Re- and it was it was really poorly received then, and now it's that's try- finally getting its audience, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm a fan, but... Um,
2: How about Creepshow 3? We can go into that. Uh, <laughs> don't even... What are you talking about? That movie doesn't exist. <laughs> I've never actually finished it, to be honest.
3: Wait, 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 wait. Hold wait. I'm sorry. I know there's a TV show that Shudder picked up for Creepshow as, like, a new series, but... I didn't know there's a fucking third one.
2: Oh, you oh, check it out. You'll <laughs> you'll love it.
3: Uh, I, okay, your your tone of voice is a little sus. All right, yeah.
2: <laughs> To be uh, to be perfectly honest, it's like it's like a high school production. Uh. Yeah, that's that's the level <laughs> no. Creepshow Three is at, and that's being nice.
1: And it's a shame because it's like, how did these people get? in touch with with whomever they needed to to get the rights for that right yeah. uh that's super funny that
3: we talked about how before we started recording because revelations is like you're like oh you filmed this in
1: your friend's living room that's fantastic there you go that's that's fucking creep show three uh... but just real quick yeah connor um yeah that creep shows that creep show series was was uh, is brand new yeah and i think they got renewed for a second season but we're going to talk about that in a little bit but, so, right, so Creepshow has moderate success. George Romero and Richard Rubenstein want to uh, create short-form horror. So they're like, okay, it's it, it's probably going to be too expensive to do this in an actual production, like, film production format. So let's shoot a pilot and see if we can get it picked up and do it uh, a, a TV series. Obviously lower budget, but it puts everything kind of in a box so that they can create... And have all these different stories and bring all these writers in and and all this other young talent, like young filmmakers and things to uh, kind of showcase um, their their talents for the horror genre and keep it kind of going. Right. Because they want to keep this this uh, short form horror and kind of anthology type uh, storytelling going.
2: Yeah. And for a while, there's actually like right off of the uh, you know piggybacking off of Creepshow after the release. When they wanted to start doing more, you know, short form stuff like this, there was actually talks for a little bit of, you know, doing a creep show series. So that almost happened. It's like Tales from the Dark Side was almost creep show the show, Huh. which is a uh, pretty interesting. And I think it wasn't creep show the show
1: because they, again, like the re- retaining the rights. I I feel like it was a rights thing. No, like I feel like the production or or or, or you know the the. the the company who owned the rights to the movie was like, no, we're going to fucking not do that and we're going to make Creepshow 2 instead. So maybe that's the answer for that.
2: Yeah. And they also wanted their own creative control, too. It's like instead of, you know, doing everything under the Creepshow banner, it's like they wanted to not do specifically horror, but do some sci fi, some drama as well. So that's another reason why, you know, they went with Tales from the Dark Side.
4: I was going to ask, uh, what is the uh, target audience for this show, roughly? Like, is this, you know, is this aimed at adults or, or teenagers? Because it doesn't seem like, you know, like monsters. I've seen a couple episodes of that, and that is definitely aimed at a younger audience. But I wasn't really sure about this. No, I, I, I think you're
1: incorrect on that one, too, because... So we so the, so they shoot a pilot which we're going to be talking about that's the main focus of this episode later. Um they, they shoot a pilot in 83 and then it gets picked up for syndication in 84. Now, when this is created and and ran, the first the first um season of this was aired um on Tribune Broadcasting and they did it like super late at night. Really? Mhm. Uh, so it was intended f- like Late night scary shit for adults. Okay, cool.
2: Or kids that were a stand up late. Sure, sure. Right, right, right. You got their little
1: they got their little portable TVs under their blankets in their beds yeah. or whatever. Right. Ah, that's such a romantic idea that I love, right? Like, sure. In under your Ghostbusters fucking blanket <laughs> with your little TV watching Tales from the Dark Side while everybody's asleep. With a little bowl of popcorn under there. Oh, there you go. Yeah, a little sandwich, a little something. I don't know. Little snacks for sure. Leftover Halloween candy, probably. So yeah, the series is episodic. Of course, and and that's like the the best thing about this series, and that's why you can enjoy this kind of whenever. That's why those VHS releases work, right? Because there's you can you can present them out of order, and it's not a big deal because there's no overarching story to it. Everything is consolidated in that in those twenty two to twenty five minutes.
2: Yeah, and they go for all sorts of different uh, material too. It's like even if there's uh, you know some you don't like, there's still going to be some that kind of you know. really get to you. And it's like there's a couple more, you know, ones that are a little more sci-fi, a couple more, you know, horror ones. But uh it's like they sort of just shot for everything. And th- that's the beauty of having, you know, an a uh, anthology series is just you get to do anything you want and cover like all sorts of bases for uh, you know, all the different uh genres and everything.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so they get this show so Rubenstein and Romero get the show off the ground and um and again, you know, it, it's like a It's like a rights issue with Warner and they kind of wanted to do their own thing, like Chris said. So, so what, what do they do? They adapt another, they, they adapt stories from like Stephen King. Um, there's a couple of episodes, uh, that were written by Stephen King for this show. And like people like Frederick Paul and Harlan Ellison and even Clive Barker has has an episode, um, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bishop, Robert fucking Block, not Robert Robert Block, uh, John Cheever, uh, Michael McDowell, and and Frederick Brown. So, you know how like novelizations were like a big thing too. Like you always had your movie and your novelization, or or the novel, you know, the novel based on the TV or the movie. CB knows all about that. CB knows all about that. Um, like we did for Child's Play 3, where the, you know we, we talked about the novelization <laughs> yeah. of that. Better ending in the book. <laughs> so what's crazy is Tales from the Dark Side was adapted into novelization a novelization in 88.
2: Oh yeah, Tales from the Dark Side Volume 1. I'd love to get my hands on one of those.
1: Yeah, seriously. But does it
3: have uh, corporate espionage involving a diamond heist? <laughs> and, then and, then, and then every now and then it just kind of casually cuts back to, like, the horror. And then it's like, hang on, never mind, never mind that shit. Back to the intrigue.
1: So this so this series runs from 84 to 88. And there's four seasons of this show. And, you know, they're, they, they really tried hard to keep it alive at the end by even shooting um, some episodes and trying to do, like, offshoots and things. But ultimately it died. However, we did get a film in 1990 um which is again it's right up there i mean it's r- literally directly behind creepshow in terms of ranking uh for me
2: yeah and there's you know when we get to that point it's like there's so much to talk about with the movie yeah we i just we just kind of want to brief you on the series
1: history and where it goes and we're going to be breaking all all these episodes down one at a time and then uh, leading up to the film it's fine we're not talking about smallville i'll survive <laughs> Well, each episode's different, so you don't have to, you know, you know, filler episodes don't exist, yeah, I don't right? <laughs> that,
3: that was the, like, filler episodes where I, was, I lamented the decision to cover CWTV episodically. I was like, I want to fucking push my thumbs into my eyeballs.
4: Connor, <laughs> I've already told you that I am the uh, the... the the master filler after all the fucking anime I fucking <laughs> watch. Just the filler just it just it runs through my fucking veins at this point.
3: How many episodes of One Piece are there now?
4: Five hundred and ninety-nine. Or excuse no no, excuse me. Nine hundred and fifty-nine as of this recording. Fuck no. <laughs> no thanks. I can't do it. I just can't do it.
1: You gotta do it. I need an abridged version uh that you need to write up for me of which ones to watch. Okay.
3: <laughs> Sean's like, here's a forty page document. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll try to
3: keep it under twenty. <laughs> he just drops this this like very heavy stack of papers.
1: <laughs> the dossier of One Piece. Here you go. Yeah. So yeah, like we said, it, it get its initial release is by tri- uh, the Tribune Broadcasting, um, and then it gets picked up for syndication, which you know they run through they run through their production all the way to the end, and then it's picked up by LBS Communications for. Um, for another uh, syndication, like, they would just uh, re-air
2: it. Yeah, this thing, they pass this thing all around.
1: Yeah, it's all over the place. And then it gets distributed by Laura Moratella telepictures. And then World Vision, like we discussed in the beginning, the the, the VHS uh, that was released of these films, or these, uh, this TV series, um, picks it up.
2: And, and now CBS uh, Television has it.
1: Yeah, and World Vision was, like, the precursor to CBS. So, like, World Vision turned into CBS. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, that's fucking
2: nuts. <laughs> doesn't
4: doesn't CBS also currently own Twilight Zone?
1: Uh,
2: yes. That's interesting. Yeah, so they're they kind of hold. Uh, yeah, they hold both of these. They have the monopoly
4: on anthologies. We got to break these assholes out.
3: No, they, they gotta they gotta they gotta buy Shutter's. So they can, they can get Creep Show, and I think they have another anthology series in there too. Oh, they have uh they have Channel Zero
1: on there, I believe, uh, too. They have um they also have Monsters as well. So they d- and they distributed those tapes. They have them all. Yeah, they sure do. But I, you know, I think one of the lasting things that really made an impact on people when you talk about this show is the intro.
2: Yeah, that that creepy intro.
1: Yeah, narrated by Paul Sparrow. Um, every time I wear, like, my Tales from the Dark Side shirt to, like, a con or something, s- without fail, one person, unsolicited, starts reciting <laughs> the intro of the of the show. Yeah, that's what that's the part that sticks out the most. And we end up doing it together like they're just like man lives in the sunlit world of what he believes to be reality. Like Paul's voice there is something about it and the music and the score um which is done by Don- Donald Rubenstein, who is uh, uh, Richard's brother, and with and all of that intro was written by George Romero, by the way.
2: Yeah, so it's like we have like the East Coast, like Charles and uh, you know the East Coast bands with us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you're right. More or less. Yeah, one producing, one doing the music. It's the band. They they
1: have a lot of shady shit going on in oh, Italy, though. Absolutely,
2: I don't think, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think Romero did. Yeah, not totally,
1: without a doubt. <laughs> but um, again, like that's one of those things that always sticks in your head. Like even if you even if you know about the show and don't remember any of the episodes, you remember that fucking intro music and that voiceover, that narration. And even now, you know. I've seen this show a bajillion fucking times. If I'm watching this at night, like before bed or something, and it's like and the house is completely dark and quiet, it fucking freaks me out still. Like, when I watch it, I'm like, Ugh. there's something about it that
2: really unnerves me. Yeah, the, the music, the voice, it all comes together. Even the, like, the the visuals of it, it's nothing out there. Yeah, it's not spectacular. It's nothing special at all. It's a couple shots of farmland and, uh, and a bridge. That's it. And, like, some trees
1: and, and, and like, a negative effect that turns it into, like, a, a, a negative uh, a look.
2: Yeah. You know? With that nice, cheap, like, inverted, like, flip.
4: And then that logo that comes in is fantastic. Oh, yeah. But it's, like, these cheesy, like, flips and wipes and stuff.
1: But they're super effective, right? Like, uh, you know, on anything else, you're like, oh, that's cheap. But for whatever reason, it just really, really works all together.
2: And I think that's really what, you know, I know we're talking about the intro now, but That's kind of the charm of the series as a whole. It's like, it is cheap, it is low budget, but it works. Oh, yeah. You know what?
1: You know what I think it is? It's the sincerity of this series that I think has... um let it be as resilient as it is you know yeah everybody is in on this 110 percent from from the producers to the writers to the to the filmmakers to to the effects people I mean everybody is just bringing the goods and they're having a fucking great time doing it and I think that's why it's like held up so well when
3: you can tell that creators love the thing they're working on as it comes to the screen like usually those things are either revered for a very long time or do last a long time like in their actual
1: initial run Yeah. And, and again, this is a perfect example of like how budget really doesn't affect a good story. You know, they didn't have a ton of money to make the most spectacular shit, but like they, they used what they had and they just had really good writing and, and they had talented young people behind um, all of these facets and they kind of put it together the best they could and uh, made a great (laughs) series. So not only do we do we have that um, that main theme, but a lot of music, a lot of the original music for these episodes was was written by John Harrison, um, who is the composer of Creepshow.
4: Oh, that kind of makes sense. I like the music a lot, and now that you mention that, I can kind of like see the uh, relation for sure.
1: Well, here's the thing: not all of these have their original soundtracks. Oh, okay. What
4: what, what
3: is the issue with the soundtracks? Like, what does the person who own it like? I don't understand, like, the the how that got, you know, muddled.
2: Um, I think the rights lapsed on the original music, so it's, like, when they were doing the DVD release, they just had to just kind of come up with new stuff.
3: Oh, it's so weird. I only, I like I, The only example in my head I can think of, especially for a TV show, is, like, one of those Dragon Ball Z dubs that came out later where all the music was replaced and then subsequently replaced again because they were like, you stole all of this. Oh, super. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, or, or Kai, or I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kai. I just,
3: I don't know too many instances where like a show comes out and they're like, yeah, all this music has to go.
4: Well, it's like the only thing I can even think of uh, was Crazy Taxi, the uh, Dreamcast game and the arcade game. Whoa. When yeah. it, it came back out on like, you know, a couple of years ago on like live for PlayStation and Xbox, they lost a bunch of songs.
2: Oh, uh, they did that for uh, Tony Hawk, too. Oh, yeah. For the yeah, new yeah, yeah, uh, Tony yeah. Hawk game. Yeah. They had to just. Re, you know just get new songs
3: yeah and some of the uh some of the games that like people have purchased in the past on old consoles are just missing from all marketplaces well sure they that, have, that's a bigger issue yeah they, sure. have, they have music in there that you can't that that wasn't
1: licensed anymore so you can't actually buy the game it's so strange and like i don't think we're ever gonna get it but i mean fingers and toes crossed like a full restoration of this for like blu-ray that would be amazing like original film elements and like you know, new scans of that and, like, you know, digitally restored audio and then the actual airing music would be fucking phenomenal. I don't think CBS is going to do that, but I hope one day that happens and that those elements are accessible. Yeah, it, uh,
3: it also makes me think of, I mentioned those MC3K volumes before and uh like you could there's no way to buy a season of that show because the, the like the, the rights handling is such a fucking mess well yeah that too because of the movies and shit yeah and in some cases like the rights holders uh to those movies just don't exist anymore like you're like who do i talk to about right. this i don't know they're all dead
1: the cut co- yeah or the company's completely liquidated and it's like who knows you know
4: but you're right joe it'll be interesting because i haven't seen these before i wouldn't even know that this was not the original music until you just said that yeah exactly
1: they did a pretty good job of matching it well enough where it feels like it's from that
2: period you yeah, know it's been so long too for me personally you know since watching the vhs episodes you know on the tapes and everything i don't even remember what the old music was like me either i have no idea so nothing nothing really stands out too much as far as like you know the newer stuff in there goes
3: got you yeah i would say it didn't nothing jumped out at me as far as like feeling out of place um It certainly has that, uh, uh, the sound of the time where it's
0: like,
1: like that kind of (laughs) 90s
3: synth music.
1: (laughs) A little bit, yeah. And they reuse it a lot, right? For the episodes. Like wherever they had to use new music, I believe, I don't know how much was rewritten, but they reuse the same music a lot, I'm pretty sure. Mm
2: -hmm. But yeah, John, yeah, John Harrison all through this thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, John Harrison's been the biggest champion. Now, I mean, now that, you know, RIP, we've lost George. Um, and Rubenstein kind of hasn't. Is he an executive producer on the new series Creepshow?
2: Um, I th- I think he is. He might be. He has to. There, he's got to yeah. have
1: some credit in there. We're going to talk about his ass in a second. John Harrison finds himself writing and directing uh, a bunch of these episodes too, as we go throughout these. Um, and he's actually contributed to the new uh, Creepshow series both musically and um, you know, directing wise and and um, writing. So that's interesting.
2: Yeah, and it's like, this was coming after, um, you know, right around the same time, George Romero and John Harrison, you know, collaborated on Day of the Dead. So, it's like, you, and that's actually my favorite part of Day of the Dead, is the soundtrack.
3: Yeah, it's really fucking good. Uh, I, okay, I listen to the the full score every Halloween.
2: Yeah, it's so good.
3: That music is awesome, because it's like, it is, to me, it's super unconvin- uh, like unconventional for a horror movie. Yeah. Um, Mostly because it's it's very upbeat, and at some point it just like like this is kind of catching you. I'm kind of bobbing my head to. It.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it fucking um, rules. That's
3: also that's also my favorite of the original trilogy, uh, uh, dead trilogy. So
2: oh, me too. Yeah, by far, it's um, but it's like same kind of thing we were talking about before. It's like you have you know all these names, like in this case George Romero and John Harrison, like all working together. You know, after Creepshow, you got Stephen King in there, and mm-hmm. then you know that brings us back to you know into Tales from the Dark Side. And it's like, uh, even the, uh, when the movie, once they get to that, John Harrison actually directed that, which is a little fun fact. It's like, you know, goes to work on the music and everything with George. And then later on, when they get to the movie version of this, it's like, Hey, yeah, you're directing, and
1: and it, if that's not a testament to the passion throughout this this lineage of projects and films, I don't know what is. You know, yeah, seriously. <laughs> and here we are, in you know, in 2021, and we're getting more creepshow content. And I, I think that it's just like this long legacy of things, and I, f- I feel like people put tales and and uh, to t- to the back. You know what I mean? when you should totally watch this series and and the movie, too. I mean, they're just so excellent.
2: Yeah, and it is easy to, like, write it off as just, like, some cheap, you know, low-budget show that's... he's like, oh, that show, I remember that. Yeah, I remember the intro. But it's, like, there's so much behind it. You know, like we're talking about, like, behind the scenes and everything with everybody working together. It's, like, there's really a lot of history behind it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is, like,
1: this show in history gets kind of muddied because of things like Friday the thirteenth the series and Freddy's nightmares and all oh, that kind of shit. Boy, you know? that <laughs> everything is everything is airing at the same fucking time.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then you have this one just kind of, you know, trotting along doing its thing. Phases out, and it's
1: the best of the bunch by a country mile. That's the other show I, I never saw it was Freddy's Nightmares.
3: Um I've like glanced at an episode, I was like no fucking thank you. Like <laughs> 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 it's uh not great. I was like this look. I was like this looks criminally under budgeted, um and like I, I didn't like. I think I watched I don't know ten minutes of one episode and I I hated the Freddy intro, and then like it just felt like daytime soap opera level TV dressed up as a you know a Freddy themed anthology series. I was like
2: this sucks. <laughs> Never went back. Yeah, you're not missing much.
1: Yeah, we're not gonna be talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I want to talk about uh, Richard Rubenstein a little uh, a little bit. So through Laurel Entertainment, right? That was that was what his company was. He either produced or executive produced a ton of Romero um, films. You know, Dawn of the Dead. Martin was one of them. Knight Riders. uh, Creepshow, of course, and and Day of the Dead
2: and Pet Cemetery. Which I actually forget about. I th- always forget he had a like hand in that one. It's crazy, like how this trifecta kind
1: of stays intact in some way or another. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And then going into uh, the '90s with him, it's like it's not like he did a couple big things in the '70s and '80s. It's like even now, it's like just you know before the episode, I was in there looking at you know IMDb credits, and uh, he's still going. He's actually an executive producer on the uh, the new Dune. Yeah.
1: Whoa. He, own, he owned the fucking rights to Dune and produced um, Children of Dune for sci-fi. Oh. Oh, yeah. In, uh, what, 2000? Yeah. Yeah, so he's still going. Yeah, it's just boxed to think about that, like, Warner, that's coming out from Warner Brothers, right? Yes. Yeah. Warner had to go to Rubenstein and be like, hey, we're going to make this new Dune movie. You in?" And he's like, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's still going. <laughs> ah, you finally come crawling around. <laughs> Basically he's like the he's like the Haim Saban, you know? what I mean uh, of this content. Don't insult him like that by comparing him to Haim Saban. I was being I was trying to be funny, all right? But I you know, he also produces monsters. Which comes directly after this because uh, Tales from Darkside ends up getting canceled, and and it's a whole kind of mess at the end there. But then out from the ashes rises the phoenix, <laughs> you know, monsters, which is which is another. We, we'll get there when we when we talk about it. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's just so crazy. Like he he's got a very rich career, and again, he's kept again, just like John and even George, like he's kept in that same kind of vein. Throughout through this whole time. He also are uh, so Stephen King is obviously a big part of Creep Show. I mean, he wrote all the stories. I just I just realized I forgot that Creep Show Two wasn't even written by King, it was written by George based on King's stories. He was too he was too busy. <laughs> yeah. Romero wrote he like adapted Stephen King's stories
2: for Creepshow Two. He's like, fuck you, I'm doing maximum overdrive. <laughs> If you need me, I'll be, I'll be doing coke in my trailer. Yeah. Where's Steven? I just
3: found a pile of uh, cough
1: medicine and booze. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Rubenstein produces that too. So so it's still in the pocket while this shit's going on, you know what I mean? Yeah. While Tales is going on. Chris, speaking of uh, things that um, Rubenstein produced in the 90s, he did a bunch of Stephen King stuff too. Um,
2: uh, oh, yeah. Let's let's talk about the Langoliers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay is the is the Langoliers the one that ends with the uh the hilarious little uh uh chompy bits Yep yes that that, <laughs> that is my only memory of that program like was it a, sh- a movie or a limited series it was a limited series that is the only thing i fucking remember and it is the funniest thing i've ever seen like it's <laughs> so hilarious looking
2: oh man he also but he also did the stand and i really like the stand yeah he also did the stand and that's that's a little that's a little higher in, in quality that's uh that's much better oh for sure have, have any of you guys
4: watched the new one is that any good does anybody know
2: no still not i still haven't watched that yet but I heard, I heard good things. Is it out? If it's not, I know it's got to be
3: soon. It's out, and the people I, I work with are watching it, and uh, they, they haven't had too many good things to say about it, and they're uh. very beholden to the original, apparently, and they, they love the story in the original movie, but they're not impressed with this at all.
1: Well, I, I think Garris really kind of nailed it the first time, so I'm kind of like, all right, I mean, I guess if you want to do it, sure, question mark. It's like kind of timely, too, in some weird ways. Oh, yeah, totally. Um but he also does thinner and he also produces one of my favorite <laughs> kink. Sorry.
4: I, I love thinner so much. Oh,
1: thinner's it's great.
0: Good it's a good flick. Thinner.
4: <laughs> I don't know how we haven't done it on the main show. It's got to happen. It's got Joe Montana and he's coming back after this baby fucked his life up. Oh man. Well, We'll, we'll we'll definitely revisit that at some point. But I
1: also would like to visit one of my favorite uh, 90s King adaptions, which is The Night Flyer.
2: That, that movie rules. Some... Ooh, what
1: is that? Oh, shit. It's so fucking good. It was produced for HBO, I'm pretty sure. And it was in the pocket, too, of like tales from the crypt which we're going to talk about but not
3: yet. That's that's um <laughs> that's the vampire with uh Miguel uh Ferrer, right? Yeah, the vampire on the airplane. Oh my god. That sounds awesome already. I <laughs> oh, dude, it's so good. I remember I was a kid and like I was at a friend's house and we came across the ending of that movie where he just like goes to well, swing don't, on the fucking sw- vampire. Don't, no, don't spoil yeah, it. Don't spoil I it. I don't it. it. saying what the ending is. I just
4: got that saying, man, that sounds <laughs> awesome. You're like, "Oh, I remember the end of the movie."
3: <laughs> Wasn't detailing it. Um and like for years going like, What the fuck was that movie where Miguel Ferrer is just in an airport with a vampire?
1: <laughs> it's such it's such an excellent, excellent um flick it really is and i feel like that's one of the one of the most underrated of of king's movies to tell you the truth
2: yeah that really doesn't get enough attention Mm -mm.
1: um because it was like a made for you know it was a made for network movie but like i remember so vividly like watching that and it's shot really good and everything's great about it the effects are i think k and b did the effects on that too
2: yeah i think they did actually now because i i watched it not that long ago and um there's parts that still like they're it's pretty creepy
1: oh yeah and Miguel is, of course, great. R.I.P. And I always like the
3: design of that vampire. He's Because it's not. there's nothing romantic about that look. I'm like, that's just a
1: bat with arms and legs. Like, <laughs> he's just hideous. He's so gross. It's just look.
2: gross. Yeah.
1: He's got, like, I'm pretty sure he's got, like, one giant tooth on the top and bottom of
4: his mouth. Yeah,
3: and he's just got these very big, you know, ratty features up on his face. And, like, he has this gross hair. Yeah, but, but he also, from the neck down, is dressed like a count.
4: I was going to say, but does he have, like, a cute... You know, bat butt like they do? You ever seen the bat butts? <laughs> I guess.
2: Does he have a nice ass? That's in the uh, that's in the director's cut. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bat butt cut? Yeah, it didn't make it in the final one. Release the bat butt cut. The bat butt cut! Batman versus
1: Superman. The, the bat butt cut. Can we get that hashtag going? The, the release the bat butt
4: cut for Night Flyer? Oh, God. Ben Affleck, uh, the um, assless chaps. No thanks. <laughs>
1: So, uh, so in 2016, Joe Hill, who's a horror author, um, he wants to reboot this series. Oh, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, and he all all the attempts fail. Shit just doesn't connect. So he ends up turning his script into uh, a four issue comic for uh, I, I believe it's it's uh, IDW. Uh, so he does it for IDW, and um, but I don't know how I feel about this because it's like he wrote it. I guess for screen and was upset that he had that, that it turned into a comic book because he like fucking insults the people that are going to read it by calling them fucking man children.
2: Yeah. It's sort of a weird story behind that. It's like, first it was going to be like, not quite tales from the dark side. It was just going to be called dark side. Yeah. And then after a while of more, you know, speculation and stuff and you know, not really anything happening on it. Then he's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be Tales from the Dark Side. The,
1: the problem I have with it, too, is that it has this overarching story. And it's like, I don't fucking need it. I just don't. Um, if Correct me if I'm wrong, but when M. Night Shyamalan was going to reboot Tales from the Crypt, not only was it not going to have the Crypt Keeper, but he was also going to do, like, an overarching
2: story. Yeah, he wanted to cut the Crypt Keeper and have, like, a narrative between each episode. Uh, why? Well, I, Which is, wow, like, just do a normal show, then. Like, what are you touching Tales from the Crypt for? I've
3: never been happier to to hear that show is dead.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. But but it's like you're you're bastardizing the whole point of the show. So what are you? why it's like what they did from you know you know, look at the kids version which is like uh, are you afraid of the dark like that show now is has this overarching narrative and it's like who could give a shit like the best part was like you didn't know what was coming each week you know that also sounds like um the movie
3: adaptation of scary stories to Tell in the dark where it's like yes you could just do an anthology instead they came up with this like really silly way to tie all these stories together um,
1: it's goosebumps, yeah, exactly. But worse, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not as good. Yeah, then you lose like what it made a special, right? And you know what? That totally worked for that first Goosebumps movie. I thought it was great. I, you know, whatever. If you are gonna do a Goosebumps movie, that's that's the way to do that. I kind of like that. But when you do it for one of the things that scared the shit out of us as kids, you want to talk about scary? Like those Stephen Gamble drawings are one of the. They still give me fucking nightmares. But like what you did, like what Guillermo did with that. Or he produced it, right? Did he write it too? He produced it. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, the point is, like, Connor, you're 100 percent right. It should have just been an anthology movie, and it could have been scary as fuck, and it could have been one of our contemporary ones. Like for now, for like the 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 the, the two thousand, a really good two thousand, like mid two thousands anthology movie because we're kind of we're missing that i mean we we, we did get trick-or-treat which was good i i was gonna say i'm like no one has been able to tug
3: on that movie's cape in a long time so like that movie is still undisputed in this era which
1: kind of blows my mind you th- you would think that anthology movies would not only be easier to produce but be more satisfying yeah and like wasn't the story with that movie
3: is that like it was produced and dimension was like ah oh, well we don't know who's gonna actually enjoy this so we'll throw it in a vault for seven years um, and then just dropped it casually on, like, VOD and fucking DVD, and people were like, wow, this is excellent. Why wasn't it released in theaters? Sure.
1: Uh, you know, Trick or Treat is definitely a, um, it's definitely, a, like it's absolutely an anthology, but it's one of those ones that just kind of, Never stops going. It's like this whole, you know, we see characters from before in this story, and you know the way that it's the way that it's structured. I guess it's it's
3: interwoven, but there's no larger overarching story. It's just it's it's the same location, so all these people keep running into each other, but you never like you never feels forced or like they're no. stopping to do like a you know, the, Thor's not going to the fucking cave of teasers to tell you about the Infinity Stones <laughs> right. or anything like
1: that. Like, <laughs> I I guess what I'm saying is I prefer my anthologies like. Boom! Here's a story. We stop. Boom! Here's a story. Here's a stop, and then we have a wraparound. You know, that, that's kind of my that's my flavor that I like.
2: And uh, Joe, it's funny you mentioned trick or treat because you know, especially on this episode, you know, introducing Tales from the Dark Side, because trick or treat is actually like, you know, originally it was a Tales from the Dark Side episode. Yeah. You know, like loosely, of course, but it's like you have you know the old man tormented by you know little kid wearing a pumpkin suit. Oh, shit. Well, yeah,
1: you're absolutely right. Um, Halloween candy.
2: Um, Yeah, Halloween candy. It's like just like the pilot episode we're talking about, but, you know, a little later down the line. But, yes, very, uh, you know, almost too similar to uh, Trick or Treat.
1: When we get there, you got, especially Connor, he's going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Because it's... It's the same thing. Yeah. Hopefully that they was taken hopefully it was taken as like uh, an homage or something, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah. or in a lot of cases like parallel thinking is that,
3: like it can happen even years remove the project. Like yeah, I don't, sure. I don't think oh, it's of like course, a, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's 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 not as egregious as like Hunger Games and Battle Royale or something like that. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. I'm yeah. just <laughs> I'm just a little skeptical about the fact that Doherty may have seen <laughs> <laughs> or has not seen, you know, the episode Halloween Candy of Tales from the Dark Side, which could be something that just inspired him.
0: You I, yeah, know, yeah,
2: I
3: mean? I'm sure it's probably kicking around his brain somewhere, and he probably has this like long, you know, distant, foggy memory of
1: something he saw on TV, and it was like,
0: yeah, it's pretty not a bad idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's where I mean that's where a lot of our inspiration comes from, you know, the, these old TV shows and and movies and stuff, and we kind of want to recapture the way they feel and the and the way those stories are told, you know not to make it cheap to make it not only an honest story but something that actually can scare you or make you laugh or you know what have you so yeah there's one last thing i want to mention before we before we finally finally jump into the pilot episode of this amazing series um there are four unaired episodes of this series now you, two of them seem to be lost and the other two are included as bonus features on the on the on the uh, season 4 um Discs of um, Tales from the Dark Side, the, the the DVD set. So, if anybody has any information about those, I looked. I looked. All over the place to to see to find a name or a plot description or even like some video that somebody might have had. Somebody was claiming that they had it on an old VHS recorded off television, but never followed up with some other people. So I don't know what the fuck the deal is with that. But um, it's very interesting, and it's one of those kind of like Grail things that I want to figure out and see or, or get some more information on.
2: Yeah, they have to be out there somewhere. Somebody has them on a tape, just you know, sitting there. So, but can you imagine? tracking those down and actually seeing those
1: right just on some old like C or some shit yeah. like they were gonna air but never did right sitting in the back of some production office yeah and uh so two of them two i, I think they were all made to roll into a new series because they're they're happening towards the end of tales from the dark side the series life and they want to you know reignite the series and possibly start a new one right? I believe
2: one of them was called Night Rose, Chris? Yeah, Night Rose, and the other one was... What was the name of it? I don't know if there ever... Was there one? Did we find it? No, Did we talk th- about it? I think it was just they were kind of kicking it around.
1: Yeah, they were trying to kick one series around, uh, which I we don't even know if there is a name, and then that other one was Night Rose, yeah. But, without further ado, it's time to talk about the pilot episode for Tales from the Dark Side. Now, uh, The episode's called Trick or Treat, and its original air date was October 29th, 1983, which is pretty fucking badass, because we're, I mean, it's centralized around Halloween, so it's really cool to have <laughs> a Halloween episode come out, like, right around Halloween. So it's almost like a Halloween special yeah. to sort of kick it off, you know? What a kickoff.
2: Right? Yeah, right out the gate, you have a Halloween episode. Yeah.
1: Um, so, like, th- that's such a great way to get that flavor and intention across, of what this is, you know.
2: Yeah, this just sets the stage for what's ahead. Totally.
1: So it's directed by Bob Balaban and written by Franco Amuri and George Romero.
2: And you know, it's funny. It's like five minutes before we started this episode, I looked up Bob Balaban. I'm like, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound familiar. But you know, let's see what else he's done. He's he's like the definition of that guy. Oh, he's one of them. <laughs> what? So what does he what does he work on? He's so he's more known as an actor. Oh, really? And I actually didn't. Yeah, I didn't know until yeah you know, right before we started this of what he's actually been in. He's like so if you're on a computer or like you know on your phone, look up Bob Balaban. He's the director of this episode, but you've seen him in something else.
1: Oh, he's a that guy for sure, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's done a lot of the um the Christopher Guest movies. He's in those. He's usually like a you know a doctor or something, but he's like very soft spoken and you know real like mousy sort of guy. Oh
3: my
1: god! Wow! Like right? Like the tiniest <laughs> picture pops up and like I know exactly who that is. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> oh man, we are gonna encounter some not only familiar faces but big familiar faces. So, Chris, you want to do the honors? You want to plot crunch this? Uh, just a quick summary before we before we get into the meat and potatoes of this.
2: Yeah. So, trick or treat. Is this is our pilot episode, starting the series off, and really, it's about this. What do you say, like Scrooge kind of guy? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a miser. Yeah, yeah. Total like miser, total you know cranky old man, and super rich, and the entire town is pretty much in debt to him. Which I
3: th- I think is my favorite part of this little thing is that like somehow yeah. an entire town got bamboozled by this balding old man.
2: <laughs> yeah. You have this like farming community, I guess it's implied that they live in.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, somehow everybody in town has like their farm basically on lean to a guy that runs some like antique, sh- antique shop. <laughs> yeah. It's like a it's like a general store or some shit. Yeah. Sells candy and, you know, old uh, all sorts of stuff. But yeah. So the whole town is, uh, you know, owes this guy money. But this guy, it's like he loves Halloween. So it's like not quite Ebenezer Scrooge. But uh, you know instead of hating Christmas he just loves Halloween. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind
1: of like the anti Scrooge kind of well sort of. Yeah like the better version. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's the Reign of the Super Scrooges.
4: Oh gosh.
3: <laughs> you got yeah you got one for Halloween, you got one for Christmas, you got one for Easter. You got one.
4: <laughs> Prunes in there somewhere. <laughs> Barnaby's in there. Oh he sure DC is.
3: Comics
1: presents Reign of the Super Scrooges. <laughs>
4: IDW written by
1: Joe Hill. So so we open on uh th- 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 his store, his general store and uh we're introduced to Bernard Hughes playing Gideon Hackles. His name
3: uh once I heard what it was properly, I just giggled because uh the word hackles refers to the hair on the back of a dog that stands up when it's pissed off. <laughs> or like a cat too, which I just thought was like I'm like that's real that's a really good shitty name. Like <laughs> <laughs> He also has this really croaky,
0: like, he talks like this the whole time. It's a backwards town, backwards people. Cup of coffee? Four cents, fucker.
1: So he's played, so Gideon Gideon Hackles is played by Bernard Hughes. And um, if you don't know who Bernard Hughes is, he is Grandpa from The Lost Boys. And uh, he also plays Walter Gibbs in Tron. Oh, shit. Uh, this man has a rich, rich, rich career, uh, acting career that spans decades, um... And he's just fantastic. He is the shining star of this episode, uh, hands down. Oh yeah. I mean he he, yeah. he is the focus. So also in uh in this scene we're introduced to uh Mr. Bindle and Mr. Bundle, who are basically uh, you know, uh Gideon's um uh,
4: tax guys. His accountants, basically. Yeah, his
1: accountants, more or less. Not Louis Tully, though. They
2: remind me of like like Sadler and Waldorf from fucking Muppets. Like this is <laughs> kind of <laughs> Yeah, they're basically real life Muppets. Yeah, Benzel and Bundle. Yeah, basically.
4: And the way this scene is shot is like some kind of like mafia deal, like in a dark basement with a fucking light hanging over a poker table, it looks like.
2: Yeah, he's even got his poker hat on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also have uh, Max Wright playing Mr. Bundle, and he's Willie Tanner from uh,
2: ALF. Oh, wow. I didn't even catch that.
1: Yeah, the dad, right? Yeah, he's the dad. Uh, he's fucking great, man. I I uh, Alpha's another one of my favorite series. Uh, but Max Wright's here, and we got uh, I am Hobson playing uh, Mr. Bindle, and this guy has acted in a ton of shit as well. Chris, he's in Cabin Boy as the headmaster. Uh, cabin Boy, I love that movie. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> He's also in uh Dracula Bram Stoker's Dracula, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. Holy shit. Oh yeah, Hobbs. So basically, uh, you know, they're all getting together and-, and we kinda get some insight into Gideon and like what he's about and how he's made his money, and he's just a curmudgeon old fuck. Um and it's it's basically illustrating the fact that like he's made a ton of money but never spends any of it he just has it for whatever fucking jeff bezos
4: motherfucker
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah he even has that he even has his uh first penny framed
4: yes he does
1: Yeah.
2: yeah
4: He's like, ah, it wasn't the. Uh, what does he say? He says it wasn't the inventions I made. It was the money I saved.
0: Yeah, well, he, he's like, it wasn't my my greatest inventions that made me the money. It's my simple ones, like right. clasps and Velcro and shit. Every now and then, I dive off a diving board into a giant pool of golden coins <laughs> <laughs> and children's tears, and I wait for my nephews Huey, Dewey, and Louie to show up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, he's got some great lines here, man. Like, he's, he, you know, he says some shit like, you know, I can afford a lot of things, but I don't want them. Like, he just yeah. wants to hoard for whatever reason because he's crazy. He's like fucking Smaug, man. He, he, You know, he doesn't spend any of the <laughs> treasure. He just keeps it and sleeps on it.
0: I am fire. I am death. <laughs>
1: He makes some comment like, oh, oh yeah, Max writes, like, why don't you just hire some people? Like, why the fuck? Oh, yeah. It's so dark because they, they he had them drive down from New York City at 3 in the morning so it didn't interrupt his business hours. It does, like, it, it looks super shady, too. I love it because it's, like, it's just
3: one, like Sean said, it's a single light bulb just hovering over this, like, this table. Yeah. And, like...
1: They appear to be in a black void, but it's just because nothing else is lit. And he doesn't have any, like, he doesn't have any hired help because he's like, oh, clerks steal shit. You know, they they steal from you, so fuck them. I'll
4: just work these hours. Another key thing in this scene is, you know, you made that joke about how he, you know, the guy asks for a cup of coffee and he says four cents. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the crutch of this whole, you know, scene is seeing that he has this whole stack of IOUs because he's like, ah, he's like, just write me an IOU. And he hands him this fucking, like, George Costanza wallet sized stack of IOUs.
1: Well, he's going to collect every penny that's due him, dude. That's his, that's his SMR. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, every cup of coffee. <laughs> he's like, I never overcharge and I never cheat. I just take things from
2: people. You know, I lend people money and then hold them in eternal debt. Yeah, totally honest and, uh, yeah, super nice guy all around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's one of the,
3: like, he's, He's one of the worst kinds of misers. He's like, I have all this money. I won't do anything with it. Uh, I won't help my community. I'll just keep sucking off these people's lives.
4: Well, and it's like, you know, he must spend the money he has, like, on the things he knows these people need. And that's what he stocks his general store with. He's like, yeah, I have toothpaste, dog food, uh, dirt, um, you know, hose and uh, farming tools. Halloween costumes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anything you could buy in this guy's store because he knows you need it and you're if you don't come to him, and uh, they, you know, they make a comment like everybody in the valley owes him
1: money, like Chris was talking about, and like it's this sick power play that he has on this community. Oh yeah, and it's at the expense of these people, and he does it because, and he waits all fucking year, right? He he puts these people in a position, a uh, like a uh, a uh, uh, a position of jeopardy with uh, financial jeopardy, and then forces them to bring their kids to his house so he could scare the shit out of them and he hides like a big stack of they're all their ious um and if they f- and if the kids find them all their debts are forgiven i'm not sure on which end this is more fucked up on
3: his or the parents who take their kid to this old man's house and he's like here go walk around and try to find some fucking papers well
4: i think it's like they're both kind of at fault because there's this scene in his, his shop as a couple customers come in with this strung out
0: dad who's like, yeah, I've been beating my boy real good so that he can handle getting scared. He's going to be there. <laughs> I've been putting the, the old kind of fear
3: into him. I've been putting the strap to my boy, I, just, I think he says. No. Just dangle a loaded shotgun in front of his face around <laughs>
1: So yeah, so so it's so uh, that wraps up and it's morning time, and he has this like Pee-wee Herman ass fucking Ernest P. Whirl, yeah! uh, 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 Rube Goldberg machine. Now this is cool though because it gives you a little bit more insight because he mentions that he's invented other things, and so he's just a really smart inventor guy too because he has you know he has all these little mechanical things that open up his shop doors and shit and later like at his mansion he has like all these not advanced animatronics but for like a sleepy town in the middle of bumfuck nowhere he's got like things on rails and uh uh uh, uh, mechanics mechanical
0: shit that he uses to scare people. yeah
3: like if this if this podunk grapes of wrath town that he is enslaved uh is (laughs) odds and he's definitely the fucking wizard behind his curtain just pulling levers
1: and like you know spinning wheels so we're introduced to um uh, mr Kimball and little billy and they're brand new to the valley and they already owe this motherfucker money like they have their farm is already on lean from this guy um and it's their first halloween Right? So he's like, oh, is your
2: little Billy going to come to my house? or you to try to get your fucking IOUs or whatever? Yeah, here's where we get all that exposition. Where he's like, come here, Billy. I'm going to tell you all about what we're going to do.
4: And they make it sound like really perverted at first. And you're just like, what the fuck are these people
2: signing their kids up for? Yeah, he leans over, whispers in his ear. He's like, come here, Billy. It's like, you're coming to my house tonight? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah there's a there's a
3: predator uh like side of it where you're like so y- y'all just send your kids this old man's house at night on Halloween
4: and you're just like well best of luck to you and just
3: <laughs> push him into the door I drawer. mean he's still
4: like He's still, like, sick in the fucking head, don't get me wrong, but they definitely paint it, like, something way more sinister because the dad's like, I ain't gonna send my boy there, and I'm surprised they, the other parents send their kids. It makes me sick. Some parents make their children do it. Yeah, he, like, mumbles that under his breath, and I'm like, holy shit, what is happening on Halloween
2: at this guy's house? Yeah, the parents are scared of the guy, and they're just sending their kids over there to, like, clear their debt.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, as, as we find out for sure, but I was like, whoa! Kimball's, like
1: oh, the fucking IOUs probably aren't even in the house. And he's like, oh, oh, they IOUs are in the house. You know, I don't cheat. Yeah, like almost offended by it. Yeah. Because he's like, he thinks he's such a straight fucking shooter, man. (laughs) He's like, like, I don't cheat. I don't have to. People make their own misfortunes,
4: is what he says. What is he, Jigsaw? Like... (laughs) yeah (laughs) he's like oh why he's they're hidden in a really obvious space people just choose not to see it and and then like when they show where he hides this i'm like okay i guess you have to at least hide it just because that's part of the game but like you really like you think people are sticking their arm and two feet into a fucking fireplace i don't think so this is such
1: a this is such a weird thing and it kind of dawned on me when i was watching this i've seen this a bunch of times Right. And I watch it for Halloween every year. But it really dawned on me now because I was analyzing it. Right. For the show. Sure. And um, I was thinking to myself, like, is he like trying to find the kid that is strong and willed enough to kind of find these things and then what, like pass his his fortune on to
4: them? What is he, Willy Wonka?
2: His chocolate factory.
4: Yeah. <laughs>
1: So
3: it's
2: like Willy Wonka and Halloween,
3: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he, well, he sits there in his little mechanical chair, and he's like, "I will transfer my essence and all of the Sith into you." Wait, no, I'm sorry, that's the wrong movie. It's now your
0: duty to terrorize these people of the valley.
4: Yeah, like, what's the gamble? Give me back the IOUs, and I'll just, re- <laughs> I'll, I'll fix your father's debt. And he does it, he's like, Ah, oh, you've succeeded, young Padawan.
0: Your training is complete. Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> Strike me down. <laughs> I am the Sith. Fuck all those other people. Give me the IOUs. <laughs> I am Halloween. It's
3: like they think they defeat him, they come back next year, he's like, what is that fucking thing he says in Revenge of the Sith? He's like, this is the death, blah, blah,
4: blah, immortality. Uh, Salwin never dies. They wouldn't come back in a year, they'd come back in like 30 or 40, and he'd be be back, he'd be fine, no problem. Yeah, he'd
3: just have charred fingers after being thrown into a fucking core of a battle station.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) man, he gets thrown down a fucking hole to hell and comes back, yep. So, uh, so, so, Kimball and Billy leave, and we're introduced to Muldoon and his son. And this is what Sean was talking about before. This guy is completely broken up about this fact. Like he's been dreading this day all year, and it's not the first time. Look,
4: he
3: lives a he lives a stressful lifestyle. Okay, his brother was murdered by raptors in some island by some you know some <laughs> out He's like they should all be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just real quick, this guy's played by Eddie Jones, and he's in a ton of shit that I didn't even realize. He's in Cue uh, the Winged Serpent. Uh, he's the Watchman in que- *in* Cue the Winged Serpent, and he's fucking uh, the Chief in Chud. Is he really? Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, he's in The New Kids as Charlie. Um, he's Cassidy in Invasion USA. He was in that 90s Dark Shadows, too, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Oh, The Rocketeer? Yeah, A League of Their Own, Sea biscuit for Christ's sake, The Terminal. And he just recently, he was on Veep. Uh, he goes from Tales from the Dark Side to fucking, you know, Terminal or, or Veep, you know, working with Tom Hanks or whatever. But yeah, like Sean was saying before, you know, Muldoon's like, he's like, he's like, ah, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna beat
0: him Mister year, Mr. Hackles. Yes, sir. I have toughened up my boy with the strap. I beat the shit out of him so he won't be scared of your demons and ghosts or whatever. Beat you at your own game. I summon
2: the ghosts of his forefathers and I just have them haunt him every night. Uh, This is when it really comes through that he's like, this goes beyond like a prank. When it's like these people actually like hate this guy. Hackle's kind of like, he doesn't see it that way. Like in his mind, he's
1: like,
0: what, what's the problem? I'm just having some fun on Halloween, even though you're indebted to me.
2: Yeah. Let me spook your kids.
0: What's the big deal? Jesus wept. <laughs> meet my meet my Cenobites that guard my house. Um, oh, no. Um, uh, also,
3: it seems like the people are maybe convinced that he has, uh like, supernatural abilities or at least can, like, you know, can summon them because his... I mean, he's got his thumb on all their necks. Yeah. Um. Uh. But it seems like the fear comes from the fact that he's like,
0: oh, don't piss off the spirits.
4: Sure. Especially this first little girl that we see because, well, he goes home first. And there's like this comment when he's talking to his accountants about how he doesn't ever put his money in the bank because he can't trust anybody. So he runs and he puts his money in the bank and is safe. I don't trust banks. They make mistakes. And then he uh, what does he do next? Then he gets gets set up,
1: right? Yeah, he basically sets up his fucking house of horrors. And um, just real quick, we get a little scene in between with um, Kimball and his wife, uh, Sarah, who's played by Brenda Curran. Um, and she's, it's funny, there's a couple people uh, from Chud because she plays the landlady from Chud. Um, and she's also in Life with Mikey. Really? The fucking movie with uh, 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 Michael J. Fox yeah, and yeah, that little yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's in Happy Death Day to You, which is fucking weird. I thought that was just so strange. Uh, but yeah, we get little Billy and he hear, overhears his parents talking and they're like, oh, you know, we you know, we, we built this farm together and we're going to lose together and we're going to lose everything together and we'll just work again and, and start it because he's not going to subject his kid to that bullshit because fuck you. You know, if you want to take it, take it. I don't give a goddamn. We'll, we'll start again. Uh, but Billy's like, no, I could do it. Like, I'm not scared of Mr. Hackles. Like, I can get those fucking IOUs, dad. So he has his own little fucking side quest to go to the house without his parents
4: knowing. Right. And you also do see hackles hide those IOUs like I was kind of mentioning a little bit earlier, behind the fireplace, like a foot and a half deep. Well yeah, he puts it in the
1: flue of the of the um right. of the fireplace. Which is pretty obvious spot. I would never think of that. <laughs> straight up. No? Especially as a dumbass kid, no way. Well, it it's this see this is also like a period piece too because like it seems like everybody is like it's very old school type of shit. Like I would assume pe- like this is the this is where people were like pulling up like a couple floorboards and like putting shit
4: underneath the floor and you know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah, maybe in that yeah, maybe you're on to something. Um, and
1: especially if the fireplace wasn't lit I would go directly for it.
4: Yeah, that's fair then. Uh
1: I
3: don't know. I have I have uh anxiety about reaching into things that I just can't see. Well
4: <laughs> Me too, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> no, what no, spider no is in there that could bite me that I can't Exa- see? Yeah, I'm like,
3: good. It it looks like a fireplace chimney, but in my head I reach in my hand and there's eleven xenomorphs all ready to take my hand off.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> those little ghouls from
3: house, yeah, they're up there pulling up that little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all up there. Everything. There's a fucking graboid,
1: everything is up there. <laughs> So, so yeah, so, so it's Halloween night now, and Hackles is all set up in his little fucking, you know, uh, uh, control room, and he's got, like, a spyglass that runs all the way to the front door so he could see who's there, and he's got, like, all these, like, he's got, like, these Frankenstein laboratory fucking levers and pumps and shit that work all the gags in his house. (laughs) I love it, because it's just, it's so Wizard of Oz. He's like, pay
0: no attention to the man behind the curtain, (laughs) like.
1: pretty much and he has like it's so great cuz he has this giant like uh it, it almost looks like a gramophone uh horn and he like and he talks into it and that's like a pa system in the house
2: yeah and this is like where all his like invention making comes into play like everything he was talking yeah. about earlier my inventions and everything it's all just for scaring kids this um, he
0: he <laughs> spends his time inventing things to scare children. My creative energy is spent on tormenting small children. You think Walt Disney called him up and was like, hey, we're putting this attraction together called the Haunted
1: Mansion. You ever heard of a guy named H.H.
2: Holmes? (laughs) Hey, we like what you're doing, but dial it back.
3: Yeah, t- <laughs> turn it down a little bit. Don't actually eat the kids. What are you doing? Yeah, don't don't kill anyone. He's like, oh, oh, oh well, then.
0: <laughs> Disregard the previous two days. Uh, I never cheat. I never eat. I never eat the children. Don't worry. I Oh, he mentions that before. He's like, I never harmed a single hair on a single
1: head. I just fucked them up uh, psychologically.
4: Yeah, because this first little girl comes in.
1: Come in, Bessie. And this little, this poor little girl goes in. And, uh, man, this is such a great line because she comes and knocks on the door. And she's like, trick or treat, Mr. Hackles. And he's like, trick or treat. Huh? I've never been treated to anything in my entire life.
3: I, I do like that he has to stop and just give, like, a short speech through, in every situation. like.
1: But it's a but it's a great way to tell that story of that character. No, I
3: love it. I think it's hysterical. And it's it does flesh him out. But, like, it's so... Overdramatic at times. I love it because, it's like you just said, he's always like, he's like, I never hurt anyone, blah blah blah. And then Bessie's here, and he's, and then he has to fucking speechify to himself in there. He's such a good villain. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> it just, it just adds that layer where it's like, okay, this guy is really fucking like sad and depressed, and he's just like taking it out on these kids. Yeah, I also love the sound of his own voice,
0: and he's extremely self-absorbed. So he's like, I've worked for my fortune, and so should you. Come on into my fucking house of yeah, the girl's like eight years old. Yeah. Nobody gave
2: me nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, there's goblins out there tonight.
0: She's like, goblins? He reminds me of Scrooge. Oh, my legs hurt. My back hurts. I'm only four. Go out and buy yourself a choo-choo. I didn't get any Halloween candy, when I was little, and now I spend my years tormenting you children.
3: Well, go figure. Hey. Trick or treat. He didn't get his fucking weenie whistle,
1: okay? <laughs> Imagine if Judge Reinhold had a fucking house of horrors. (laughs) Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, he scares the shit out of her, and, and she runs out of the house. Then there's some other kids that come, and they get scared. You know, a fucking bat flies at them and shit, and there's all spooky sounds and stuff. And the whole time these kids are in there, he's, like, narrating to them he's like he's like
0: oh welcome to the
1: house welcome to the house, houses the scary house he's like what's that is that something in the corner or whatever and then he like hits a lever, and like something flies out or like a moan happens or some shit yeah he's jigsaw yeah and he's just like eating it up he's loving it oh he's fucking licking his lips man
4: because that Muldoon kid shows up <laughs> oh my god dad looks drunk sweating Oh, come on, come on, little little boy, come on, uh, do this for daddy.
0: He's like, oh, Robert Muldoon, I've been waiting for you. Come on in, little fucker. And he, like, lets him in. I heard about your brother.
2: <laughs> your
0: uncle's dead. <laughs> he was killed by lizards on some time.
2: <laughs> Yeah, people keep just keep sending their kids over here. It's like, all right, we're going to do it this year. Well, yeah, they're making, they, like, they, they dress their
1: kids up and they make them go into this fucking house because, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, These people are poorer than poor, like literally no money and are living on credit. And they make a he makes a comment uh, in the beginning about "Oh, poor crops this year, huh? And it's like this motherfucker set up shop in this place where you couldn't fucking grow or be prosperous on purpose. And then like these people moved in and that's it. They started once they start borrowing from them, they can't leave, you know. I'm surprised somebody hasn't murdered him yet. To be honest,
4: no, I was just gonna say that. Especially this Muldoon character; he looks so fucking unhinged the whole time. I'm surprised they didn't pull a uh, Desert Eagle on this guy or something. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that this town didn't just like Ken, Re- uh,
3: what was it Ken Rex McElroy, this guy, and just shoot him in broad daylight, and then no one fesses up to him.
4: Oh, dude, just lynch
1: him quietly, like they fucking Freddy Krueger him. They throw a fucking flaming a uh, Molotov cocktail through his shop window, and just burn him to death.
4: Well, and of course, you have to have somebody throws the IO use into the fire but no we don't get that instead we get this kid who his father tells him their spirits aren't real so he thinks that that's gonna help him out but it doesn't
0: but daddy you have spirits in the cabinet (laughs) they're on your breath dad
1: (laughs) uh but no but like it's a whole thing too because like he this guy against his own will has beat his kid to scare to make his kid his kid more scared of him than he is of this house yeah i mean that's what he's telling himself for sure and he's basically like you don't he's yeah he's basically like you don't if you come out of there without those fucking iou's there's a you're in a world of hurt you know what i'm saying yeah
2: yeah it gets a little dark right there
1: yeah and they do it in a way where it's subtle but it's totally effective you know so Tim gets in there, Tim Muldoon gets in there, and this little motherfucker, man, his will is strong as fuck. And he actually says, hey, look at that fireplace. And he goes up there, and he reaches his hand up there, and he's like, uh, he's like a fucking hair away from touching those IOUs and grabbing them. Yeah, he's close. Yeah, and, and the whole time Hackles is like, oh, you're cold, you're freezing, and he's fucking pulling every lever and switch he can to scare the shit out of this kid. Um, And he finally does... Uh, and distracts him and then he walks away from the fireplace and then, you know, gets scared by um, the fucking bear from the Addams family. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, he, he didn't get to use his ultimate
3: weapon which is Mr. Boogity that he sealed off in some jar. Ah, uh, yeah, he's
4: in there somewhere. <laughs> I was thinking that
3: too. He's in a vacuum, dude. As a vacuum in the corners just like ominously glowing green.
4: <laughs> We don't turn that on anymore. Leave it alone. You'll, you'll let him out and he'll speak and that will be the end of it. John Astin's fucking walking around <laughs> somewhere, and somewhere in that house. Oh, he's being dusty somewhere for sure with a fucking, uh, one of those Russian hats on.
1: So yeah, there's like the, you know, the scare bear pops out, Muldoon goes running and his dad's just like, did you get the papers or whatever? And they just break down. And the kid jumps in the, the father's arms and they're both like crying and shit. And... You know, Hackles comes out to fucking revel in their, th- you know, them being scared or whatever. And he's just like, I'm backwards play, it's a backwards town.
4: Everybody's backwards here. They don't get it. They don't understand. And it's like, dude, you are seriously fucking warped. Yeah, they have compassion. They care about each other. What the fuck's wrong with them?
0: <laughs> Nobody hugged me when I was a kid. I never got a treat.
4: Never.
1: So the best parts of this series is it's always usually some scumbag motherfucker that gets his comeuppance just like those old EC comics, right?
2: Uh yeah. Yeah, there's always a twist, there's always the comeuppance and uh yeah, the ending is always like flipped on its side.
4: So then we get this uh you know, the Scrooge reference go, you know, comes full fucking circle in some ways. Uh maybe not in the uh not for the benefit of Mr. Uh, Hackles because uh there's a witch at the door. I love this. <laughs> uh, that voice. <sighs> Trick or
2: (laughs) treat.
1: She's fucking creepy, man. The makeup on this is like...
4: Fantastic, especially for like a TV show. Yes, and this was also where I where I finally found out that the voice clip from our Trick or Trash uh, opening <laughs> was from this show.
1: Um, there's actually two from this particular episode. Yes,
4: <laughs> him saying it's Halloween, didn't you know? And then the witch cackling. I think Trick or Treat, if I'm not
1: mistaken, at the end. Yeah, and the Halloween candy episode. There's a clip from that at the end uh, too. <laughs> you'll
4: you'll you'll know. Okay, I can't wait to hear that. But yeah, she's floating in the air. She's, you know, that, you know, stereotypical, you know, think of like Helga the Witch from Looney Tunes almost with the, basically that boy with like a really like uh, grotesque face. Yeah,
2: staring right into the door. Yeah, Yeah,
4: right into his little eyepiece. And he's like looking through and he's like, who's that? Is that Mordoon?
1: Is that whatever? And it's like, does that fucking look (laughs) like that? like a
4: person. Are you a very tall child? He's like, "Well, no adults on Halloween. There's never any adults." Yeah,
1: no treats for adults tonight, only children. Oh, real quick. She's played by Fran- France Francis Chaney. I really wanted to like deep dive into these people because I'm like, "Where what happened? You know, who, who did they become anybody? Have they done anything else?" Uh, so Frances Chaney plays the witch. Um, no relation to Lon Chaney, but um she is the ex-mother-in-law of Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> Okay. Oh, that's a, yeah, that is a deep dive. And she plays Mrs. Cantrell
3: in Life with Mikey. Uh, if she has no relation to Lon Chaney, did she shoot someone in the face while quail hunting? And that would make her related to Dick Chaney?
1: Ah, it's possible. maybe. Maybe it's spelled the same way. So she, so he finally goes to the door to confront this fucking witch. And, uh, you know, the fucking door flies open and she's levitating. (laughs) on a fucking broom. Yep.
2: And this guy's like, "Oh shit." Yeah, this is where we go like full like nightmare mode. Oh, oh yeah. yeah.
3: I love this because like it's his come up with is just like it, what what forces have come to take this man and make him pay for his crimes horror just the forces of horror everything <laughs> evil <laughs> darkness shadow whatever everything halloween
1: saw tm
3: has yeah, come we, to just, make just him pay the idea of spooky has come to take this man away <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. um and that's pretty great because he loves it so much and now he's fucking getting it from that you know what i mean oh yeah who's
0: your who's your effects person the levitating is very convincing yeah <laughs>
1: I where's your strings so this fucking witch like levitates and and uh fucking like zaps the chimney and the ious fucking blow out of the chimney and they're flying all over the place and um you know the the safe opens and all this golden shit flies out and at this point he just loses his fucking mind and he shuts down. He is so terrified. He's just trying to grab these IOUs and cash and stuff and he's just like money, my money,
0: my money, not my money, and ah, my money I love
3: this this insane climax because it's it starts with a witch and you're like where did you come from? And then it just, without any warning, escalates to Satan himself.
1: Um, you're missing zombie pirate. Yeah, can't forget the pirate. Oh, I'm so. Oh, how can I forget z- <laughs> zombie pirate? <laughs> Excuse me. Zombie pirate is in the control room, like
4: wearing all his jewelry that was in the <laughs> safe, and he's like, "Ha ha, fuck you, Gideon." That was Gramps. He uh, he went on a <laughs> different path. After, uh, you know, he was left in the uh, mortal realm after Charlie and the gang went back into that, like, Western fucking dimension.
3: I've just been walking and walking
4: and walking. (laughs) How the hell are you, Gideon?
1: (laughs) Um, Gideon's like, oh, no. So, like you guys said, this fucking, this door opens and it's literally a tunnel to hell and all of his money is, like, flying down it. And uh, he's crawling into it,
2: like, chasing his money straight to hell. Uh, big metaphor. <laughs> yeah, there's, like, red lights flashing, wind blowing everywhere. All his money and gold are flying at him. And he's just he's just losing his mind.
4: Oh, yeah. I love the makeup they did on this uh, Satan character. It's just, like, they went all out for this, like, 15 seconds of footage. Okay, this
2: is something
4: really spectacular.
2: Yeah, here we go. Here's a fun little trivia. So the devil guy here is actually Ed French. He sure he is. is a, he does, like, makeup, special effects, and his credits are, like, all over the place. He's um, a big one was Terminator 2. Mm. He's um, he did that. He's also in uh, an, oh another one, Joe Chud Chud. It's
4: all over this movie.
1: Yeah, he did work for Chud uh, Dead Time Stories uh, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain.
2: He worked on that crew. Uh, the stuff he did breeders mutant hunt is another one uh, and blood rage and creep show, too. Yeah. So this guy is like it's one of those faces where it's like you wouldn't recognize him, but he's been around like he's done a lot of stuff.
4: Oh, yeah, that that's a lot of movies with some good effects for sure great effects really
2: yeah and here he is just like hamming it up playing the devil it's great
1: and if you've seen blood rage and if you haven't seen it definitely go check it out
4: and that episode we did wink
1: wink oh yeah remember that two years ago blood rage go listen to it but no but ed french is actually in blood rage as well and you know that do you guys remember the chick who has like the baby and like brings that nerd home yes the nerd is ed french oh and he's like uh and he's like oh coconut liqueur That fucking guy, that's him.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. When he gets his head cut off.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. The head hanging outside the door. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Oh yes. Um, I'm gonna add that uh,
3: even to this day, the effects in Terminator 2 are like untouchable. Like (laughs) it still
1: looks so good. Oh, they're amazing. Oh sure, yeah. Stan Winston, baby. That team was amazing, and so he fucking just. Crawl literally crawls into a hole into hell chasing his money into the afterlife and the door closes. And then uh Billy has got his balls up, Kimb uh Ken uh Kimball's son Billy, and he's like, I can do it. I can really do it. He goes up to this fucking door, he's like, Oh, trick-or-treat, Mr. Hackles, motherfucker. Open up this door. I'm gonna I'm gonna get those IOUs. I'm gonna come in there and get the out of you, old man. But he's like, I'm not scared of you. The door opens and it's the fucking witch. This thing is terrifying looking. And this kid's like, I know it's you, Mr. Hackles. You can't scare me, man.
2: Yeah, he finally gets the courage to go back to the house and, you know, uh, just like, you know, finally take care of this stuff for his family. And there's a witch that opens the door. Yeah, and he thinks it's, it's Hackles. Yeah, he's like, you're not fooling me. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And so the witch has all the IOUs and she's like picking them out and like throwing them at him. And then she like levitates and flies away and just starts throwing all the money and jewels to this kid so that, you know, his family could be prosperous and the town could be prosperous again. You know, Uh, all all of the debt that all those people were in and all of that money and stuff that he had taken from them and basically taken their lives away is given back to them, which is pretty amazing. It's very,
3: it's very generous of these forces of darkness to show up and start being <laughs> charitable. <laughs> yeah,
2: They're hella nice, right? The ghosts of Halloween spirit.
3: Yeah! <laughs> This is the nicest cabal of evil people I've ever seen, or evil entities I've ever seen in my life. They show up, they drag the miser to hell, and then distribute his wealth to the citizens? Fuck yeah, come on. Well,
4: you know, like like we saw in Petey Wheatstraw, you know, the forces of evil being used to help out uh, people in your neighborhood. So you just never know, Connor. This is true. Satan's like, I was Robin Hood my previous life. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're getting warmer.
1: So, uh, so yeah, this kid fucking trots away with a big arm full of IOUs and and money and stuff back to his his folks' house, back to his farm. And uh, as he walks away, the camera pans down to his to uh, a, a gravestone.
2: Gideon Hackles.
3: He took it with him when he went. It says. Yeah, It says Gideon Hackles, businessman. He took it with him when he went. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I think.
2: And uh, which is like just so uh, it's just so weird the way it's written like that. He took it with him. It's like, doesn't say his wealth or anything. Just says, that's all it says. It's super, it's kind of
3: ominous, actually, because, like, I don't know. Yeah. You get, 30 years later, you walk by and go, like, the fuck is it?
1: <laughs> his fucking greed and, 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 uh, I don't know. All of the hate, I guess, that he put into the world he took with him. Fuck him. Also, curious that you walk by and be like,
3: well, that guy's headstone is in his front yard. Yeah, directly <laughs> in front of his house. <laughs> in front of this house.
1: Uh, he took the IOUs with him? Question mark. Maybe? Maybe. Maybe he's hanging out with that fucking zombie pirate now for all eternity, getting stabbed with a pitchfork.
2: And I guess the witch just like lives in his house now because she answered the door.
1: I <laughs> guess she gives out candy.
3: Took over every year. People show up and she just gives them money for Halloween. Yeah, throws pearl necklaces
1: at them. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is this is a brought to you by. Uh, show so we're not going to do like where is this in the dumpster or whatever but we we i would like us to go around and kind of give our thoughts on, on on each episode um so if somebody would like to start uh yeah um it's pretty good
3: uh especially in terms of like i don't know it just it's it's evocative of of uh are you afraid of the dark the goosebumps tv series all those other anthology shows i've seen there's a certain layer of like hokiness that all of them seem to have, that's very present, but then, like, once the once it's wrapping up, you're like, oh, you're just diving headlong into this ridiculous premise, and I really love it. Um, and then I kind of love the ending, because it's, for some reason, it makes me think of, like, something like Haunted Mansion, where it's, like, his headstone, with this ridiculous phrase, is just planted in his front yard. Um, it's such a silly concept, but I love it. Um, and I think a lot of these anthologies, like, they might have dead serious episodes they also have stuff like this that is like it's got some serious shit going there but it's kind of like it it's campy and wonderful so yeah this is pretty fun
4: um I mean I like this quite a bit actually I mean I, I was poking fun a little bit at uh as I was watching it, the randomness of the comeuppance but uh I was kind of pretty okay with it especially for a 22 minute program I'm like you know what they don't have enough time to explain this it's just happening because fuck this guy and uh it's Pretty fucking amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. I, uh, yeah, I, I, that's also really good to say. I guess so far it's on the shelf. We'll see where it, uh, goes from here.
2: It's a nice, like, fun ride with this whole series. It's like, especially right out the gate with the pilot, it's like you have, uh, You know, starts off as a drama, but then we go just full blown, you know, supernatural horror right at the end, out of nowhere, like you said, Sean.
4: Yeah, and it 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 fits weirdly enough; like it worked, it gels really well together.
2: And uh, that's kind of the beauty of the series. It's like they get to do a lot of fun little, you know, uh, twists like that. And uh, that's kind of the the allure of watching more of these. It's like just to see what these weird twists are. Yeah, absolutely. And like,
1: (sighs) this is such a powerful pilot like they they kind of hit all of those hallmarks of this series in one episode right you get a little bit of comedy you get you get some of that drama and you get some of that supernatural horror elements to it so it's kind of like it's kind of like a it's kind of like a best of um compilation and i guess and i and and they and they kind of they fucking nailed it i mean they they syndicated the series after this the following year so um this particular episode in general um just from like production standpoint I think it it's really nice to look at like I feel like especially for this time period uh TV shows in general uh the lighting is really good and and um the cinematography is pretty good too some of some of the stuff they kind of do and the effects are fucking off the charts for for a, a made for TV show like like an episodic show not like a um, you know, an hour special or some kind of, I don't know what, you know, and we kind of take that kind of thing for granted now, but, um, you know, I feel like this is such a good uh, first step, um, in, in this series going, like, going forward, um, setting the tone and such, um, and I really like the way that this series deals with, um, Particularly Satan and the devil. As we go through this series, you're going to see a lot of variations of this character told from different ways, which is really um,
2: interesting. Yeah, there's all sorts of fun little angles. You've, uh, the Devil's Advocate episode. Oh, yeah. 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 The Devil's Advocate
1: episode, uh, the, uh, the one where, uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but, but yeah, but totally. At one point, Satan is like a, like a, uh, he's almost represented as like a construction worker guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, but as far as tone goes, this first, this first season's pretty, pretty serious for the most part. And, and once we get to the next episode, we're going to see a little bit more of that drama come full, full through, um, Along with that supernatural kind of uh, twist, uh, what have you, Twilight Zony kind of kind of feel. But yeah, it's a fucking banger of, of, a, of a first episode. I mean, technically, it's not the first episode. If you want to get technical, it's, it's it's zero zero. You know, the pilot, whatever. But you know, it's the first episode of Tales from the Dark Side.
2: But right at the gate, starting with a Halloween episode, it's like you're setting the stage. You're kind of you're getting everyone ready for what's ahead. Yeah, that
1: seed that grow that grows into four seasons of content and then a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Uh, and and gives birth to all those, and subsequently to like monsters again, and like the Creepshow revival and all that kind of shit. So it's 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 ground zero, <laughs> and it was it's yeah. excellent, it's fantastic.
2: Yeah, and there is uh, you know, the stories are all over the place, and everything sort of has that. It's like yeah, it's a, it's low budget, and sure you can call it cheap or whatever, but it's so comfy and uh and they're all just so much fun. It's so comfy. There's always there's always uh uh
1: uh, 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 uh they're almost always like a morality tale, right? And most of the time m- usually the bad guy gets the comeuppance. And usually the bad guy 9 times out of 10 is a hu- is a human person. Uh but uh but yeah. So so, so that, so that's it for our first episode of Talks from the Dark Side. I hope you, everybody's enjoyed it, and uh, we got more coming. they will be obviously shorter format because we wanted to tackle all of the um, behind the scenes uh, and history of the show. So this is kind of like our, our two hour premiere, if you will. And um, and yeah, hope you come and stick around. And um, till next time, I'm Joel Ascola. I'm Sean O'Rourke. I'm Connor McGraw.
2: I'm Chris Barr.
0: The dark side is always there, waiting for us to enter, waiting to enter us. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight.